Welcome to the Limitless Wrestling Podcast, the official podcast for your favorite indie promotion of all time, that being Maine's own Limitless Wrestling. My name is Josh Nason. On this week's show, we're going to look back at BLC 2022 Vacation Land Cup, where we go from here, which is this month's seventh anniversary show called Chasing Forever. Saturday, September 24th, we're going to talk about that, how we got here. And then uh, we we very well might hear from former two-time Limitless Wrestling World Champion Anthony Green as he prefer, prepares to make his return this month to Limitless. But first, let me introduce the founder of Limitless and the man who is the focus of everyone's post-show press conference rants, Mr. Randy Carver, and a special guest, another special guest, and the man who will manage the shit out of a target, John Alba. Randy, John, welcome. How's it going? I uh, I cannot believe that we are... Breaking our word, John, never thought we'd have you back on the podcast, but uh, a lot of things change over the years, and here we are. I believe the term is the czar of limitless wrestling, Randy Carver. Don't you miss me? See, it's... Oh, the audio chocolate is back, baby. (laughs) The audible chocolate's back, baby, and, you know, it's nice for once that I get to take a limitless exit on my terms rather than being banned. I'm sad that I didn't get to actually do it this time. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a weird feeling. I'm left a little unfulfilled not being able to do it. But uh, no, nah, man, it was uh, it was a special moment there at uh, Vacation Land Cup, and really the entire uh, realm of prestigious was very special. And I think we're going to talk more about that soon. We certainly are. I mean, do you guys want me to back away and you two kind of get the podcast room? No, or what, no, what, no. Is... Josh, listen, this is this is your baby now. We can break down the walls here. So great. So I will. I will. I will get to it then. Uh, again, I mean, so much intimidation. I had no idea John was going to be on the show today, and uh, obviously, being the longtime former host of the show, I'm uh, so intimidated right now. But I got to move on. We got to talk about the VLC of a event. That John was a big part of. We're going to talk about that. So again, BLC 2022. We'll start there. Went down on Saturday, August 27th, the Yarmouth Anvets in Yarmouth, Maine. Turned out to be a nice day inside. Still very warm inside. So we're uh, getting out of that season, thankfully. And full show, of course, is available to stream anytime on IWTV. You obviously get uh, you if you're not a subscriber at this point. I don't know what you're doing. Use the code Limitless helps out the promotion quite a bit. And let's kind of go uh, behind the curtain first, Randy. Because I know about halfway through the show, I did not get a chance to see you until halfway through the show, and you said, "Yeah, the the stream died." What uh, what happened to the stream? Did it ever come back? And why don't you going to give an update on what what happened? Yeah, unfortunately, um, halfway through the show, and I, I will say, like, big props to our crew, um, Harry, Aaron, Paul, Glanz, John, Roy. We had uh, Billy Vox actually downstairs. Uh, Throw back to the IWE days, John, but. Um, yeah, we uh, they did a great job throughout the night. I thought the show looked really good, look, like looking back on it and being able to watch it. And I thought it was cool that we were able to uh, not only plug into a screen downstairs for everyone to watch in the locker room, but we had a TV upstairs as well, uh, kind of tilted towards the fans where you could see from the <laughs> stage as well. Um, but yeah, halfway through the show, uh, everything went solid to intermission. Uh, luckily this time, like there were no internet issues. That's been the big problem with the Yarmouth Amvets in the past is just internet connectability. And actually when I showed up that day, I had a mini panic attack because, uh, I always, anytime I stop by the Amvets, I'm always checking the internet strength just to put my mind at ease for a little bit. We go down and poster every time for the events we swing in there and every single time I'll do one. And it's been great lately. 
And uh, I decided to do that when I rolled up at about noontime and it was at zero because there was no nothing to connect to. And I'm like, what the fuck? Um, checked in and they had like uh, some handymen working downstairs in the bar on the Internet. And I'm like, is there any chance this comes back on soon? And they're like, well, define soon. And I'm like, that's a terrible response. But uh, <laughs> it was up and running again within an hour. Uh, no internet issues this time. It was honestly just a laptop crash and it was the only laptop that we had available to host the stream. So, um, just kind of a crazy predicament that you can't really game plan for until it happens. But now that's going to be, you know, something in the playbook that we have an extra laptop on hand with the program to run the stream because just an unfortunate situation. Um, and we weren't able to get that back up and running again, but, uh, within the week, as you said, it was available and is available on IWTV to stream anytime. Hmm. So before we get to uh, some of the show stuff, uh, John, your uh, your last Limitless show, at least for the time being, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, your thoughts, you were on the broadcast team and in and out throughout the night. What was your thoughts on the show as a whole? Yeah, I wish I had a chance to call more matches, honestly. The VLC is very near and dear to me. I feel like... I've been very ingrained with the VLC from the very beginning. The, the first VLC was my first last Limitless show where I received a ban. Thanks, Randy. That was super nice of you. No problem. But that was a very special night for me. Uh, the 2020 VLC was Limitless's first closed taping show, and Randy and I called that show together, and I, I felt like I really got to put my broadcaster hat on that day. And I, I thought Randy and I put a lot of prep into that show and making it seem as big of a deal as we could. And last year's VLC, very much the same. You, you saw a lot of that. So this year, I, I wish I had had a chance to call even more truthfully, but given the circumstances of the show, uh, that, that just was not meant to be. But from what I was able to see, it was a pretty fun show. And the main event I thought was great, particularly once it got down to the final two guys they really had the crowd in there it was a longer show but i thought the fans were really invested for the end yeah randy uh, overall feeling on the show coming out of it i felt better uh, a couple days later obviously it's tough to like not be super frustrated when like things like the stream going down happen because uh you know you, you build it up online to people for a long time and people take the time out of their night to, you know, plan to watch uh, one of your biggest shows of the year. So um, it's a bummer in that sense. That's like tough for me to get over in the moment. But uh, I really thought that uh, everyone on the roster really banded together and had a very good outing. Like everybody who was on the show, we had some new faces as well. Uh, some people returning to Limitless after quite some time away. So um, it was some freshness, but it was a lot of, the wrestlers in the past like six to eight months who had really showed up and shown out uh they had a big stage with time and uh some big matches on their plate you know what i mean and that that's always cool to see kind of who rises to the occasion when the lights shine the brightest and when you're on a big stage like that because it does only happen once a year and there's only eight or nine wrestlers per year who are making it into the cup so it's something special and it's a testament to the work and uh, the commitment to limitless wrestling that uh, a lot of these wrestlers have and um, have just continuously uh, done great work for us and continued to build themselves in the process. So uh, I was happy with it overall, especially watching it back later on. Yep. Good stuff. All right. Let's get to the, uh, I thought the first half show, I, I, I was really, I really good, very entertaining uh, crowd was into it. 
And, you know, part of that is because there's stakes and the stakes were to get into the BLC uh, four-way tournament final. So we kick things off in a literally big way. Ace Romero taking on Beef and Ace Romero picking up the victory here on his uh, on his path towards uh, towards obviously getting to the final. What would happen there? You know, these guys kind of were, you know, do a little bit of wrestling, traditional wrestling in the first few minutes. And, you know, fans are kind of excited or what have you. And finally, you know, the two guys are like, what are we, these fans didn't come to see us wrestle. They came to see us fight that got to rise out of the crowd. And they fight we did have. And in the end, Ace Romero picking up the victory uh, over beef and moving on to the VLC qualifier. This was a, uh, this was hard hitting <laughs> this as, as expected, this was a, a match. I think we could see uh, several times again in the future. Both guys were up for the challenge and just, yeah, th- this was, this was a fun opener and really kind of set the tone for uh, for the whole tournament. And uh, yeah, John, we'll start with you. Ace Romero picking up the victory over Beef. And what'd you think? Yeah, Randy, this is definitely one to run back in the future. I thought they had great chemistry together. They beat the absolute living shit out of each other. And they brought the intensity out of one another. And I was wondering the whole time what kind of ramifications it would have for the winner later in the night. And in this case, surprisingly, maybe because it was early in the night that he had the rest of the evening to rest up and get ready to the best that he could. But Ace really shined in this one. And, man, the, the one takeaway that I had watching this and being on the call was just Beef really connects with the Limitless audience. He really does. And people take to him, whether he's a good guy, whether he's a bad guy, they empathize and they emote with him. So when you have that characteristic about you that people feel with your stuff, you've got a pretty good path to success. And I know he's had a few frustrations in the last few months, but I still think he very much belongs in that conversation as somebody that should have another opportunity at that championship down the line. Yeah. I don't think you can deny him, man. especially like uh, the connection to the crowd is kind of on another level than you typically see, because there are not many people who could stand in the same scenario against Ace Romero on quote-unquote his home turf, you know what I mean, 20 minutes from where he grew up, and get that kind of reaction and that kind of support from a section of the crowd. So, And Beef fucking took it to him, man. Like, I was uh, – I don't think I've seen Ace Romero get body slammed on the floor before. I've seen it in the ring, but that one just like – I don't know. It took the wind out of me sitting about 50 feet away. So I don't know how he felt about that, but – uh beef took it to him i think it was another all-star performance for uh in my opinion if we were doing the votes tomorrow one of the wrestlers of the year in limitless wrestling for 2022 beef but uh yeah this was uh you know ace romero a long time coming for him not only to get to the finals but to finally navigate it his way as we'll talk about in a little bit but uh man tough first round matchup and i think uh had the situation been different these are two guys you could have seen at the very end just as well Yep. One note I have here was uh, Ace Romero made Beef look small. Right? That's I mean, Ace, B, I don't know. Beef's been losing weight, bro. He's well, just like I, a walking muscle now. I know, but he's still, I mean, you compare him to some of the other guys he's been in the ring with. I mean, he has that size advantage, but here he didn't. It was just, it was one that when they were just kind of staring each other down, I was like, holy shit. You kind of kind yeah. of forget that uh, how big uh, how big Ace is. Anyway, Ace Romero uh, moving on to the four-way final. The next one, the returning Charles Mason, his speaking of beef, the first uh, uh, Charles Mason's return after uh, first appearance in Limitless, rather, after taking that loss in January in the dog collar match and returning here against the young upstart, Des Cole, Desmond Cole, Big Bufa, uh, making his bid 
to try to get into the four-way final. It was not to be Charles Mason picking up the victory. But yeah, people, I mean, people are into Bufa. He's a, a guy I would say is going to be around. I'm going to see him again and then, you know, try to qualify. Who knows? In a year from now, uh, try to qualify and get in again. But this was uh, this was big. This was big. And then afterwards, you know, I young kids, as you guys know, you both of you are younger than I am. You know, they like to, they like to, some like to be a, a little bit of bravado. And coming out the the curtain, Des Cole looked at Alec Price, who was doing commentary at the time, and said he was coming for him. And on the way back, Alec Price didn't forget, gave him a receipt and said, uh, you know, basically started talking shit to him on the way back to the curtain that, that, that he didn't win. So you got to be careful what you say. But regardless, Charles Mason, who uh, did his own talking in the ring, picking up the victory here, John, and moving on to the four-way. And, and yeah, Charles Mason uh, back in Limitless and dastardly as ever. The visual that the camera picked up at the end of this match, the submission, was Incredible. It's honestly one of my favorite camera shots that Limitless has ever had. I don't know, Nason, if you've had a chance to watch it back, but I'm sure you have, Randy. With Charles's eyes rolling back as Bufa was put to sleep. That's like an image that's going to live with me for a really long time. And I thought Charles Mason had one of his best nights in Limitless Wrestling to date, quite frankly. Uh, he's He looks like a million bucks right now. He's sick. He's sadistic. But you can't deny his talent. Randy, your thoughts? Yeah, he had one of the best nights of his Limitless run on one of the biggest nights, too. And we talk about it all the time. It's all about how you react in the big moments. And mm -hmm. Charles Mason, right place, right time to be able to pounce on that and choke him out to move on to the finals. And really, uh, I think that's a defining moment in the career of Charles Mason because it, it kind of felt like he was one of those wrestlers who just uh, – almost like his uh his habits would get in the way of his success you know what i mean he he would yeah. get so close every time and then just something that he did to put it over the edge to maybe do something uh, a little more dastardly to his opponent to really drive a message home almost it ended up costing him in the end and this is finally a time where charles mace has maybe put that shit behind him he's figured out the formula and taken a big step forward but um man bufa reminiscent to beef how the crowd has come around and really pushed a guy into a position where uh they really want to see bufa every single show and he's been not only not only is he just someone who people want to see but like he is delivering every single time so uh credit to bufa man he he really wrestled his heart out here and uh, obviously did have some words with alec price who uh you know he's a sharpshooter with his mouth anyway but i like the spunk of bufa man call your shot yeah and who knows could see that down the road in, uh, in a limitless ring, that'd be a, a lot of fun. Uh, let's speak of a lot of fun. We'll move to the next match. Trios match, the Shook Crew with the returning Max Caster of the acclaimed fame. He had a hell of a weekend this past weekend. Taking on the Circus Ninjas. Uh, been really successful in limitless as of late. Obviously picking up the win over MSP and Dango. We'll get to that whole situation in a second. But this was, a, again, a lot of fun is pretty, a simple way to describe it. But, you know, when, when you have guys and girls from the outside and even though max caster has been a limitless before it's been a long time and a lot of things have happened you know you always kind of wonder how they'll fit in the framework and i think we can tell the ones that as you're watching them they just it, it seems right and i tell you what max caster seemed right from when he came out uh people were in in love with seeing him his line before in in intermission and you know, I, I don't think he came out afterward but where it was super long people are totally into max caster and the acclaimed and uh, the Shook Crew and, and Max picking up a victory here. This was this was great. This was, again, a lot of fun from start to finish. 
uh, you know, Max uh, doing the, the commentary on the microphone uh, as he is in the ring. Obviously, it's, you know, stuff we've seen before, but how he did it was really entertaining. Uh, how he looped in the, you know, his uh, his opening raps and things like that was not exactly a, um, it wasn't the same old AEW act you you could say, but he did it in a in a unique way that fit the room and fit the promotion. And this was a uh, this was a lot of fun, John. This was this was really good. Max Caster right now, this is not hyperbole, is legitimately one of the most popular wrestlers in the world. The acclaimed, everybody loves the acclaimed, right? And at that pay-per-view this past week, that match that they were in, the crowd reaction in person was unbelievable. And just thinking that I had seen him in an Amvets the week prior in a totally different environment was pretty surreal. But he was just as beloved by that crowd, too. I loved how he opened this match. He's relentlessly entertaining. You know, the Shook crew, I've I've got a little beef with them in the past, but... All things considered, they're an incredibly entertaining team. The Circus Ninjas as well always draw uh, great reactions from the crowd. This was a fun matchup that I also think it was a legitimate pick It was kind of hard to pick who was going to win this one. So I, I really enjoyed it. John, you mentioned uh, you were there for that acclaimed Swerve in Our Glory match this weekend. You had a hell of a weekend. Uh, I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't ask. I want to put you on the spot because you mentioned that that press conference was one of the craziest things that you had witnessed professionally um i don't know what the actual tweet that you said was but uh i know we're on a restricted time limit so you can give us cliff notes but like what was what was it like in the room uh what was that night like in general and uh i don't know give me your general thoughts yeah it, it wasn't so much the press conference like or i should say what cm punk said wasn't so much the craziest thing i've been in thousands of press conferences right. in my career it was more the events that unfolded as the press conference was happening. So when a security guard burst through the door and I'm getting texts that there's a fist fight going on in the locker room as Tony Khan is sitting on the dais answering questions with Chris Jericho. These are the crazy things that really set my spidey senses off. But in real time, I recognized that something crazy was happening. But in hindsight, depending on the course of action going forward and how this unfolds. And by the time this drops, I'm not really sure we might know more, but it could legitimately be a night that changed professional wrestling history. So being there first row to that was pretty wild. Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, similar to John, I've done uh, a ton of press conferences before just through uh, past jobs and everything. One of the craziest ones, if, if you guys are familiar with UFC is Nick Diaz, Wolf Tickets uh, from Montreal. If you guys want to look that up, I was there in attendance, and that was uh, that was just an absolutely, absolutely surreal moment. Absolutely surreal. Um, but anyway, we'll we'll move on. Uh, well, I want to flip these out of orcs. I want to give a little bit more time to uh, to the to the three way. Uh, Rip Bison defeating Ricky Smokes, and we kind of knew into this that it was going to be uh, tough going for for Ricky Smokes against the hard hitting Rip Bison, but obviously coming off his win. Uh, that being Ricky Smokes went on the last show uh, against um, uh, Milk Chocolate, that this was going to be a, a big uh, a big opportunity for him. Uh, Rip Bison, at the end of the day, picking up the victory. This was, uh, again, a solid match. Ricky had his spots. Ripper gave him the, uh, the, the nod of approval, the handshake of approval afterward. And this would portend the, what looks to be the end of Art. We can talk about that in, in a little bit more. But yeah, this was uh, not a good night for Art, but Long term, maybe a for John, it may be a 
a better night for Ricky Smokes, better career-wise. Yeah, he's super talented. I, I remember really first getting a chance to watch him in the closed taping era and just seeing that he had a ton of raw potential as Ricky Archer. And as he's had this metamorphosis, it, it seems like he's ready to take his own. And I think we'd be remiss, Randy, if we didn't say this is one of the best nights of Rip Bison's career, even though he didn't walk away with the VLC championship. It certainly was a night that reminded everyone that Rip Bison is a player and belongs with the top guys in Limitless Wrestling. All right, well, let's get to, uh, I want to spend a little bit of time with this. This was uh, happened before uh, the three-way, but this was, or happened before the, the Bison Smokes match, rather. Uh, a three-way, prestigious, exploding, John. F- feel free to grab the tissues uh, if you prefer for, uh, for I mean, just what you've built uh, coming to, to end this way. But, you know, Channing Thomas taking on Mac Daniels. And BRG, obviously, Mac Daniels uh, being supported by Mr. Alba, and that would uh, a lot of changes there. This was, uh, you know, when when we had talked about this before, uh, Randy. This was we knew this was, you know, three young lions. I think that was the phrase that I used. Three young guys just going at it, and with with a there was the the shot at the VLC uh, tournament final, obviously, but these three guys had a lot of a uh, lot of testosterone, and a lot of uh, stuff to work out, and they worked it out in this match. This was entertaining all three guys came to play uh john will get to the uh, the physical aspect uh, as as we go here but yeah i mean just overall Chain thomas picking up the victory uh i now i believe i think this is the first time he's been announced from the dallas home office if i if, if, I, if I heard that right of the official uh world-class championship wrestling really just seeping in, into his veins but yeah randy at the uh, we'll uh, kind of talk about the match first and we'll talk about what happened afterwards uh this was uh this was as advertised this was fun yeah, it was honestly like uh, emotional to watch for for more than one reason. You know, it's uh, for anyone who like follows the world of limitless wrestling very closely, specifically Let's Wrestle. Uh, these are three guys who really cut their teeth there. Uh, Mac Daniels made his professional debut at Let's Wrestle, and uh, these were I would say three fixtures throughout the first couple years of building the foundation of what that was. And to me, it's still kind of crazy that. Channing Thomas, BRG, and Mac Daniels were in the Vacation Land Cup because uh, these guys really had to prove a lot, I think, to make it onto big stages. And uh, not only like in Limitless Wrestling, but everywhere, but specifically here. I mean, this the whole idea came together, and we're obviously going to talk more about it coming up. But these were these were three guys who maybe on their own at the time were not going to make it onto the main cards of Limitless Wrestling, and. They figured out a fucking way and they grew so much through the whole process. And this, you know, it's like we're seeing the final evolution of these guys as they all kind of go their separate ways here. But um, one of the best matches, I think, in Vacation Land Cup history, I think it stole the show on this night. And uh, it's very special for guys who, you know, I feel like I've been working with these guys very closely for a number of years now. And when uh, people start to just take steps up in their game and understand who they are as people as wrestlers you know it's it's a special thing to witness and it's a special thing to watch and be a part of and uh, i really think that everybody involved here uh knocked it out of the park and i'll turn it over to john here because uh a lot of framework and it was a lot of just planning that went into every step of prestigious and this was the final act yeah this was the most emotional thing I've ever been involved with in, in wrestling. And I know you can certainly attest to that. And 
I know. Before I divulge further, Randy, do you want to tell everyone what we're going to do next week? Because I think it's going to be a really special treat for anyone who really loves Limitless Wrestling. Yeah, I would love to. And that's that's the main reason we kind of had John on as a surprise this week. We are next week. We're going to do a deep dive into the history of prestigious myself, Josh and John. And uh, we'll kind of take it from the start and move piece by piece with the big moments of prestigious that uh, led us down the road to get to this point where the triple threat happened. So uh, we'd like to get the listeners involved as well. Uh, everyone who supports this podcast or anybody uh, maybe hearing this, uh, hearing about this and wants to contribute and be a part. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments that you want in or maybe any moments specifically that are prestigious based that you would like covered on next week's podcast, hit us with a tweet. Uh, we're going to use the hashtag LW prestigious. So uh, if you have any questions, um, anything that you want covered, hit us with the hashtag LW prestigious on Twitter at LW main, and uh, we'll make sure it gets covered for you next week. But that's where we're heading next week. Yeah. And I think the reason we're going to do that, Randy, is because, and, and I'm sure you would agree with me, the prestigious story from start to finish is probably one of the most in-depth, layered, nuanced stories that Limitless has ever told, quite frankly. It's it's a year and a half, almost two year long story that has a lot of legitimacy to it where and we'll break the curtain down. We'll show you how the sausage is made, where I found the Facebook message even the other day where I came to you and I said, I, I think we could really do something if we started a stable with Mac, BRG and Channing Thomas and Everything that you saw unfold over a year and a half plus had a lot of reality based in it. And there was so much attention to detail. And I can't wait to get into it with you next week where we can talk about those small little things that were laid the groundwork for dating back to February of 2021, if not further, that were paid off in this match at the VLC. And that promo that I did beforehand, where I talk about the little things and how if you, you want to get rewarded for paying attention, if you've been following the prestigious story since day one, there were so many little allusions to the very beginning of the story and the middle of the story in this match that were paid off. And I was just so emotional about it as the match was unfolding. It was truly one of the most special things that I've ever been a part of in wrestling. Well, speaking of unfolding, John, you'd get sent for a ride in this, in this match. I did. Right into, I did. uh, yeah, right into Mac Daniels, who was on, uh, I'm trying to remember who threw, so who threw who into who? I'm Brett, trying to... Brett threw me into Mac, who was on Channing's shoulders. It was the final pedestal. And for those who are paying attention, it was in the same corner that the first pedestal happened in. And, it was, I mean, Channing was almost in the exact same position that Ashley Vox was on his shoulders. The little detail that's put into it. Randy, how wild was that seeing me go flying there? That had to have made you smile. I did not know how it was going to end up, to be <laughs> perfectly honest. I was just, I was so curious. And then you had me on the edge of my seat. Uh, I guess Brett did particularly because... Uh, he held you there for a hot minute. He made he you did. think about it before he sent <laughs> he you did. flying. So I was thinking about it too. I said, "How is John gonna soar here, bro?" There's a little, a little bit of distance to cover, but uh, no, that was that was quite but a visual. That that when when I went down to the outside and I was out there, 
and I heard the crowd coming to their feet and chanting, holy shit, with a standing ovation. I can say two things I'm very proud of, uh, or one thing, rather. My two proudest matches in Limitless Wrestling, this and last year's four-on-four, we got standing ovations in both. And I think that's because people recognize the attention to detail and the storytelling. And I can't wait to dive into it next week because of that. Uh, and then after the match, obviously, uh, Chain Thomas picking up the victory. And of course, after the match, uh, John Alba turned face. Imagine that John Alba turned face, uh, did so in a, obviously the only way he could by being honest and John grabbed the mic. Uh, Mac also was in the ring and I, I you know, I'm not going to recount the whole promo cause you should watch itself. I assume is it on YouTube yet, Randy, if not probably soon at some point. Yes, it's uh, the full things on YouTube now. If you don't have IWTV, so right, uh, youtube.com slash limitless wrestling. Yeah, you can watch John's uh, essentially farewell promo, uh, very honest about his issues and, and stuff he's talked about. And, um, yeah, I think a, a lot of things with mental health and, and things that you know we've are more open, I think, in general mm-hmm. these days and are more, um, accepted and not yeah. frowned upon by certain levels of society or corners of society, whatever you want to say. But yeah. John did a very uh, earnest promo. We can talk more about that next week if you want to, but uh, watch the promo. And then of course, afterward, you know, uh, you got a standing ovation, which is a uh, great. Like, <laughs> Who would have thought, right? <laughs> I know. Like, just like, you know, just like Springsteen in Newark, baby, you got a standing up <laughs> and then, you know, and then Mac gives you the big hug, oh. raises the hand, gives you a, gives you a look. Why he holds onto your arm, gives you another hug. Uh, and then, you know, as you're leaving, Mac is just standing there and you can just feel it. You can feel it in your gut that something's not going to go right. And he laid you out from the back. You flare flop right down. And Mac Daniels leaving you laying as uh, it just, it was a, it was a scene. It was a happening. And Mac Daniels now going on his own. And John Alba, not written off our hearts, but written off in storyline, at least yeah. for now. Uh, it wasn't a flare flop, man. That was a legit, I got the shit beat out of me flop. <laughs> I mean, he rocked me so much. So Randy, you can attest, even Randy Orton put it over, which was, yeah. Wild. Okay. I, uh, <laughs> let's talk about that fucking headline because what, the, I don't know who, you know, in the know that's writing these headlines for you, but, uh, John Alba teaches Randy Orton something about wrestling was not on my 2022 bingo card. But hey, Limitless got put over, right? No, I there mean, look, you go. Yeah, it was yeah. it was legitimately it's one of the. Viper in. I think the thing that was just so unique about the whole segment. Again, we'll dive deeper next week, but the whole segment, and I think you'll agree, Randy, it made everyone feel. You felt a multitude of different emotions from the start of the match until when Mac laid me out, and it was a lot of legitimate emotions. It was very heavy for me. I the whole day. I, I felt sick to my stomach, and I'm sure you could probably see it in my face through much of the afternoon into the early evening, so much so that I told you I, I had to go outside and yell at some people just to kind of get myself in the game and get myself in that mentality, which is just not something I normally have to do for myself. So it was incredibly emotional for, I think, all of us. All right. And we go to the second half of the show. Hold on, wait, uh, Josh, hold on look, real quick here, real quick. Yeah. Randy went to the main attraction's wedding afterwards what tell us about this unbelievable (laughs) i was not well now he's not returning my calls about being on the prestigious podcast so i don't know but (laughs) uh yeah i did uh, i made my way to probably the fanciest wedding that i've ever attended 
Uh, it wasn't City Side Restaurant, so it's a big. It step was not at City Side Restaurant. It was on a beautiful shoreline, and as soon as it was over, I was told to uh, not be in the pictures and scram. So uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if the uh, invitation was not supposed to go to my house or if it was just a quick hello mm. goodbye situation, but uh, had a good time. Huh. So you're saying just like kind of Tony Khan going to his uh, his you know, talents, weddings and things like that. You're getting too too friendly with the talent, Randy. Guys, like, you know. I'm going to bounce off, but I can't wait oh. to talk with you guys next week about the prestigious story. I got some very big things to handle here on the wrestling side. OK, but I appreciate you guys having me and I can't wait till next week. LW prestigious guys. Let us know what's going on. OK, All right, John, we'll talk to you next week. Randy, you, I, I can't wait for our date next week. I know I'm uh, I'm anxiously awaiting. I'll see you guys later. John Alba. How about that? What a surprise guest, Randy. Unbelievable. Uh, speaking of surprise guests, Alec Price had a surprise guest. His open challenge for the Limitless Wrestling World title. Alec Price uh, defended against Becca, who came out uh, before, uh, came up before the match, of course. Uh, Becca came out and Alec Price did not look happy. Didn't really seem that interested in, in defending against her, but they he he ended up doing it, and this was a hell of a match. Becca coming close to uh winning her first ever Limitless Wrestling World title. It was not to be in the end. Alec Price uh, picking up the victory, and he moves on to the seventh anniversary show a little bit later this month. But yeah, this was a uh, again interesting open challenge. I believe this is the first time these two have squared off in a Limitless Wrestling ring, and yeah, it delivered. This was entertaining. So this is the first time they've collided in front of people. They actually had uh, a great match back on the road um, in the closed taping uh, for IWTV. So check that one out in the archives. It's definitely a different Alec Price and a much different Becca than we saw last weekend. But um, yeah, I mean, these are, I think, two wrestlers who I don't know if a lot of people do know, but uh, their upbringing in wrestling, very similar. Both uh, started at the Bell Time Club. Of course, Becca training out of the New England Pro Wrestling Academy now. But uh, same kind of upbringing. And uh, they were I was introduced to both of them within the same uh, circle of people. So um, I, I kind of knew from the start when I started to get to know Becca, because I had known Alec Price for a few years before that, um, that you know she was going to have maybe a similar style or, or at least a similar upbringing to Alec. But um yeah i mean th- this one really got rocking and rolling halfway through and becca i think had a lot of counters and a lot of just different responses to what alec price typically throws at somebody which uh i think that's you know note of someone who's done their homework on someone but uh alec price did prevail um in a, in a new manner as well than we've seen recently actually submitting becca uh went for the surprise kick got tripped up and caught in a submission himself but uh, was able to wiggle his way out and find a way to and we move on to a kind of unique, uh, a um, showcase match essentially for you know Team Grind versus Team Limos. We talked about this a lot last time out with Johnny Torres, and you know Johnny had, had mentioned there could be some tension between Del Mexo and Travis Huckabee making his return to a Limos ring for the first time in a long time, and they end up uh, being a good unit. I mean, smiling Travis Huckabee. I never thought I'd see it. These two kind of <laughs> out the you know, white meat baby faces and defeating Art. As we mentioned Ava and uh, and Aaron Rourke. And this, yeah, this was not a good night for Art uh, coming out on the losing end, and the team seems to have imploded. And yeah, Delmi and uh, and, and Huckabee picking up a victory here. I thought they looked pretty good. I'm out, you know, I'm a, uh, I, tra- Huckabee is like just 
a joy to watch. It's the best way I can put it. And yeah, this was a this is this is is a, a interesting match and one that again just seemed to signal another. You know, we talk about prestigious coming in. Art in terms of their uh, their their past form appears to be done as well. I don't want to write off art just yet, but I uh, I do think it's pretty tough when you have someone that you're berating walk out on you and then you lose your own match yourself. So I'm looking yeah. at it from like Ava's standpoint, the creator of art. Uh, you really have to try to tighten up this ship a little bit before uh, things go haywire, because like you said, we've seen with prestigious how bad things can go very quickly. Um, but yeah, awesome to see Travis back in a limitless wrestling ring. I believe this is the first live show he's competed on in like four years. Um, a lot of pandemic work um, in the closed taping era for Travis, but we hadn't seen him on a live show in quite some time. So uh, good to have him back representing Team Grind along with Delmi XO, who's now won two straight sneaky success here for Delmi XO. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, awesome as well to work with uh, the Grind officials. And uh, I want to put it out there. I'd love to do something similar at some point, uh, like we're doing with Limitless and Blitzkrieg in October, maybe a Limitless and Grind collision, because mm. uh, I was recently watching one of their shows on IWTV, such a unique and hard-hitting roster that uh, really does differ from the Limitless roster quite a bit. So I think there's a lot of fun matchups to be had. Well, then, Randy, we go into, I'd say, one of the more entertaining promos. I've heard a Limitless event since I've been going, which has been a few years now. This was, uh, yeah, this is the MSP came out and, you know, they weren't advertised for the card. So this was a, a, a bit of a surprise. Or at least I had not seen them advertised for a card. We didn't go over in our, our rundown, but they came out and live mic, live TV for some. And MSP, uh, Danger Kid, basically just ripped into Dango. And it's, uh, again, this is something you guys should watch it for some reason. You have not seen it by now. I'm guessing everyone that has watched it at this point uh, has already heard this uh, in one form or another, but essentially just uh, <laughs> ripping on, uh, on, on him coming to limitless, his attitude backstage showing up late to, uh, to the venue uh, before that trios match, how he was kind of acting there. And also, you know, the fact he got cut from WWE and, and just <laughs> follow the Beck references. This was uh yeah, this, this was this is an interesting promo. Then finally, DK had, had enough, handed over to Agro, and essentially to kind of wrap this all up in a bow, uh, MSP has challenged Dango and a a partner of his choosing, and I believe is a another you know ex WWE cast off or a washout or whatever phrase that he used there uh, for the anniversary show coming up later this month. This was this was entertaining. I I you know I was watching this. I'm like, man, I could. I could use more of these promos at, uh, you know, not necessarily the style of time because it would get old, but just kind of show off, you know, the characters and, and, and the personalities a little bit more because this was great. And I love a fired up MSP. Uh, this harkened back to the, the old school days for me, but, you know, they've been, they've been vibing, having fun, but they're, they're pissed and they want a piece of Dango and a, again, a partner of his choosing uh, coming up later this month. Yeah, this was a bit of a uh, verbal evisceration of Dirty Dango after laying those dudes out a month previous. But uh, obviously, these guys had some frustrations. They wanted to let loose the Vacation Land Cup, as you said, uh, weren't wrestling on the card. And we, yeah, we don't typically see uh, kind of the airing of grievances like this in the ring. So this was a little different. But uh, Danger Kid, uh, you know, he's a live wire, especially when he's got a microphone in his hand. And 
Aiden Agro, I mean, I think he said it all with one line. The vibe has changed, motherfucker. And they're they're you know looking forward to this tag team match with Dango quite a bit. And it's it's at a new level now. Uh obviously Dango is someone I think it's interesting just because like Dango feels like he was that glimmer of hope for the independent wrestler who was coming up in the age of uh what 2013, 2014, like Danger Kid and Aiden Agro, that you know, a kid from Maine could potentially potentially go make this a career someday and make it to the WWE. And, uh, you know, there's been very few who have done it. Uh, only three, I think, from the States. So uh, to have a chance to not only, you know, Dango has been no stranger to the dojo. Uh, he's worked out with MSP. He's tagged with them in other places, not just Limitless. So I think to be able to do that on their home turf, it meant a lot to those boys and was a cool moment that went sour quick. And, uh, now we're going to see it all boil over September 24th. And Josh, I don't know if you've been on social media today, but we heard back from Dirty Dango. And I've not seen this he hasn't, hasn't announced his partner, but he did announce making his return to professional wrestling in his corner. None other than Brian Black. Wow. The former EWA star, Brian Black, the former SmackDown general manager uh, under a different name, Palmer Cannon, if I'm getting that right. Has been seen at uh, uh, AE, uh, AEW shows. Has been seen at uh, Limitless shows before, and wow, I, I have not seen that yet. Yeah, I mean they've had a close bond for quite some time, and now uh, he, he's going to be in Dango's corner, I guess, to make sure no funny business goes down with MSP. But I'm sure we'll learn more about that in the weeks leading up to the show. Mm. You know, Randy, we've talked about this EWA thing before. It's been uh, the rage on social media and, uh, and and on this podcast before. I mean, it's. It, I'm feeling it's like inevitable right now. There's there's some sort of takeover, invasion, something, Randy. I mean, I don't know if you're going to be able to resist it much longer. Well, I mean, uh, people were fired up about it. I saw Connor McGrath shout out to a listener, Connor. Uh, he was fired up that his tweets about EWA had uh, paid off and something had come to fruition. But I don't know, man. I mean, th dude, there's still guys around. Adam Booker wrestling all the time. I'm going to go see him wrestle literally tonight. So. Uh, we're gonna uh, there could be an uprising in the works. That's true. I mean, Randy, you have someone from EWA you're talking to right now. I was a ring announcer for two years. Come on. What, what, what is this? I mean, dude, we were talking about Torres a couple weeks ago. Where, where is he going to land at the Blitzkrieg show? I don't need you turning code as well. <laughs> well, I mean, Randy, we've been talking about this lack of podcast plugs during the show. That could be the impetus for a turn. Let's just say some seeds have been planted a long time ago. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was a great promo, and can't wait to see that. Uh, can't wait to see if Dango's partner is going to be. But yeah, that was awesome. And again, for some reason, you have not heard the promo. And again, you've probably heard if you're listening to this. Watch it again. Watch it four or five times. It was great. That led us to the main event. We had Ace Romero. Of course, this is the VLC 2022 uh, tournament final. Ace Romero, Rip Bison, Charles Mason, Channing Thomas, a four-way for the Vacation Land Cup uh, trophy. And also, more importantly, almost as important, more importantly, I guess, shot the Limitless Wrestling World title coming up at the anniversary show. And wouldn't you know it, the big man, Ace Romero, picking up the victory, and he will move on to challenge Alec Price. So, yeah, this was... Um, this was great. This was a, a fun, a fun four way. And uh, you had a little bit of everything. This thing came down to ace and rip, which uh, in a lot of ways just kind of felt right. Given those, you know, two past challengers, two limitless mainstays, two guys that have, uh, you know, made their, made their hay in this promotion and, and for quite some time, but Ace Romero picking up the big victory at the end of the night, Alec price came out and they had a, 
confrontation. And yeah, we're going to get this as the main event. But yeah, this is a VLC winner, Ace Romero. Yeah, shit got heated into that really quick and kind of took away from, I think, the magnitude of the moment. But Ace Romero uh, finally, you know, getting over the hump at the Vacation Land Cup. Uh, awesome finals. And I think really when it got down to the final two, shit got serious. Ace and Rip Bison, who uh, competed in the first round, the opening round of the 2021 Vacation Land Cup against one another. And uh, Rip Bison, uh, speaking of getting over the hump, just can't seem to do it with Ace Romero from the road to – uh, both Vacation Land Cups the past two years just seems to be a big thorn in his side, but an incredible outing, I think, from Ripper, man. Like, obviously, when you come second in a tournament like this, you could have won any time, but uh, it, it really felt like it could have been Rip's night, and I think he had a couple all-star performances. Uh, Channing Thomas and Charles Mason really feeling like those are two guys who took the next step and got themselves to a level that uh, I think a year ago no one would have predicted them in the spot. There's a lot of heavy hitters in Limitless Wrestling, but those are two guys who really honed their craft and got to a point where uh, they didn't feel like strangers in this capacity. So one thing I didn't mention, Randy, and I think you're about to, was uh, this is going to be not just for the Limitless Wrestling world title. It's title versus career. And you're right, things did get heated. And it was, yeah, things just, uh, as they say in Anchorman, things escalated quickly. And yeah, Ace Romero is putting his career on the line against Alec Price and yeah this is a uh, this ace is high stakes that's uh might be minimalizing it yeah I would say so I mean uh it got heated very quick after the match and Ace Romero essentially said you know if I can't win the big one if I can't be limitless wrestling world champion I don't need to be here uh, and Alec you know <laughs> said it straight up to him he's like you know the past six months that you haven't been here have been the best limitless has ever had so uh, things got testy really quick when Alec Price came down from the stage and got in Ace's face. And this is obviously a matchup that we've seen uh, dating back to episode one of the road uh, in the summer of 2020, the closed taping era, when Alec Price was really starting to get his grip in Limitless Wrestling and starting to kind of make steps forward. But uh, now it's for all the marbles. This is the highest stakes match it could be for Ace Romero, the winner of the Vacation Land Cup going into September. Yeah, geez. So yeah, it's going to be a wild affair coming up next month. And again, I think you know you're mentioning earlier, uh, this is kind of been an, an, an underrated rivalry. Um, I don't say underrated, but uh, I think you know because some of the stuff may have been during the closed taping era that people didn't uh, maybe see that road match you were mentioning or anything like that. But yeah, this has been uh, an underlying rivalry for a long time. And obviously, if you know if people have not see, not seen the uh, I mean the hardcore match these guys had that uh, that Ace Romero kind of uh left after that for for a while that was must see i mean yeah th this has been this has been a great rather i think we're going to look at this like a year from now and again depending on what happens this uh this month that this is going to be i think people are going to maybe appreciate a little bit more in my opinion that wraps up the vlc 2022 we look forward of course to vlc 23 randy you can start that planning now start anytime but yeah we're uh let's uh let's talk about uh chasing forever which is uh coming Later this month, Saturday, September 24th, at the Yarmouth Amvets. And this is the seven-year anniversary of Limitless Wrestling. We'll be celebrating. We'll talk about that here in the weeks ahead. And, and I'll try to make Randy tear up talking about the last seven years. Tickets on sale right now at LimitlessWrestling.com. How are they, uh, they going? Good. Uh, over 50% sold out right now and uh, still over two weeks away. So uh, make sure you grab your tickets soon. Uh, they have started shipping out at the end of this week. So as we record here, on Friday. So uh, I would expect early next week, you'll be receiving your tickets in the mail. 
Excellent. And of course, headlined by the title versus career match for the Limitless Wrestling World Title, Alec Price defending against Ace Romero. Ace has got to win, or else he uh, he'll be done in Limitless forever, and I guess done his career forever. Of course, Alec Price is awesome, awesome run with Limitless Wrestling Championship. It's the yeah, a movable object versus the uh, irresistible force coming up again. Big rivalry. Check out the archives, IWTV, YouTube, what have you, and uh, watch some of their past stuff. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks ahead. We talked about the tag team challenge, MSP and Dirty Dango versus uh, MSP versus Dirty Dango in a mystery partner. Uh, the return of Rip Bison, the return of Anthony Green coming back, the former two-time Limitless Wrestling uh, World Champion. We'll be hearing from him a little bit later on. And Rip Bison, again, he's he's returning. And then a new team, Randy, above the rest, Tristan Ty and Gabriel Sky. I have not heard these two before. What can you tell us about them? Yeah, I would definitely say take some time to look them up. They're such a unique tag team. Uh, Tristan Ty got some early work in MLW a couple of years ago that – uh, that's where he first got on my radar, at least it was from Harry Aaron. And then uh, Gabriel Sky, I had seen from the violence and suffering shows that go on in like New Jersey, uh, New York area. Very talented athletes, man. Very unique style. And I think they're going to bring a fresh flavor to the Limitless Wrestling Tag Team Division. Very good. That's shaping out to be a nice card. Any uh, any other uh, additions or, or updates to since uh, you actually sent me this rundown a couple days ago? Yeah, uh, we just announced last night there's going to be a Hoss fight on this card. It's the yes. blue collar badass JD Drake going one on one with White Trash Wonderful Beef. Oh, that's a that's a fun matchup. Yes, it is. Meaty men slapping meat. We've seen these guys before, correct? Is this during the closed taping era? Am I getting that right? Yeah, or? so it's never happened on a live event. It happened. Uh, I, I believe it was. Fortune favors the bold uh, on the uh, closed taping era. Limitless wrestling may have been pressure point, but yeah, it's been over a year at this point, year and a half, and has never happened in front of people. So I'm excited to let this one loose. Yeah, JD's going. Obviously, he's going to be. Uh, you know, he, he was not able to to be in the VLC qualifier, so he always has something to prove. And yeah, he'll be. Uh, yeah, should, that should be a lot of fun. So yeah, big beef uh, taking on JD Drake. That's awesome. Uh, let's look at this week in Limitless Wrestling. Uh, this week in Limitless history, rather, Randy. Three years ago this week, Limitless Wrestling uh, worked the Portland Expo for Know Your Enemy, and that was obviously an anniversary show as well. This is MJF's final Limitless Wrestling appearance. He lost in the main event to VLC winner that year. Anthony Green, uh, there's also on that card as well, uh, Chris Statlander and Ashley Box taking on Timothy Leary and uh, Hot Scoop Skyler. And this was where uh, Mr. Leary's head got shaved bald. Obviously, congratulations to uh, Mr. Leary at this point for getting married to uh, to Skyler. Uh, MSP and defeating uh, Brandon Kirk and Alexander Lee in a Portland street fight. This was quite crazy. And this is one that actually sent a – I never thought – Brandon Kirk would be so injured he had to go to the back <laughs> to leave the match early. This was uh, this was wild. This is after Alexander Lee had turned on them. This was the, one of my favorite uh, angles, storylines in, in uh, Limitless Wrestling history that I've seen. And obviously uh, Christian Casanova and uh, Layla Hirsch opening up the show. Uh, Christian Casanova was supposed to take on Air Fox, but he did not make the event. But yeah, this was a, a fun opener. But yeah, you're uh, sure you have pretty fond memories. And and at this point, being, being three years ago, a lot of stressful memories, I'm sure. But yeah, three years ago, this was the the big Portland Expo debut. Yeah, it, it honestly, like in total, kind of came together uh, a lot more smoothly than I thought it would for uh, taking on something of that magnitude. And um, we had an awesome crew that day and uh, from the wrestlers to the staff on hand. And um, yeah, it's one of those ones. It's fun to look back on, man, because like we, you know, 
a year later we were doing close tapings for you know the the 50 people that we had there to help out so um things changed very quickly so it was cool that we were able to do that and had that memory and uh, i definitely hope it's something that we're able to do again that's right yeah and i had the uh the match of butcher and the blade versus uh tom lawler and chris dickinson that uh i remember just didn't it for some reason just didn't click for whatever reason you thought you know four four big guys like that going at it but i remember that was tom's debut because tom does stuff for the observer website so yeah, i was looking forward to get to see him in person and stuff I, I remember that match but it's crazy like all these guys are uh a lot of other places now doing big things so uh must be must be some smart guy booking back then to find all these talents you know <laughs> hey we've been lucky to work with a lot of talented people man like uh, a lot of these guys have just done really well for themselves and that one especially like that's a really loaded lineup a fun show to watch back if you're uh, looking through the archives on iwtv exactly exactly uh let's go to look again look further ahead limbless versus blitzkrieg we've talked about this before the uh, the sequel part de uh, new announcements uh, are coming for uh, Enfield, or I have a few already, rather, for the uh, Limitless Blitzkrieg two-night event, Enfield, Connecticut, the House of Pierogies, uh, October 7th, October 8th, representing Team Blitzkrieg, uh, Travis Huckabee and Andy Brown, and the representing Team Limitless, Anthony Green. So this is going to be the, is it a five-on-five -five match? Or, am I remembering that right? Uh, no, so the entire first day is Limitless versus Blitzkrieg matches. Oh, that that's right. The That's winners right. of those matches will move on to a tag on day two. So uh, I really don't know how the numbers are going to shake out on the tag. Um, and I really don't know how many Limitless versus Blitzkrieg matches that we're going to whoop their ass in. But um, it's going to be an interesting day one. These are all names confirmed for day one thus far that have been announced. So uh, a lot more announcements probably coming in the next week or two, including matches. Gotcha. And of course, tickets on sale at Blitzkrieg Pro. Dot net not limitless blitzkrieg.pro.net again we're watching you giant tourists we're watching you uh okay i think we're about wrapped up for here um we're going to kick it to the interview with uh with anthony green that uh that you did i was not available to uh to do that and again for kick to the interview we'll do a couple plugs here obviously uh iwtv pluto tv you can watch first two seasons of the road someday that third season of the road will get up there we'll see and obviously if you live in the greater portland area and you get uh the portland uh, public access channel pmc channel 5 uh 8 30 p.m in portland um is when it airs on i always i should write this down is it friday nights and then with uh, with replays or am i completely screwing that up again nope you got it right it's friday yeah. nights 8 30 on uh pmc in portland and these uh pretty new content are you doing stuff every couple weeks or so or how how old is the footage Oh, yeah. I mean, it's footage from all throughout the years in Limitless Wrestling. Like, you might uh, see an MJF match on the same episode that you see a match that was from Crunch Time in July. So um, it's a it's a smorgasbord. It's a mixed bag of what you're going to get on every episode. But uh, you're probably getting two matches per episode and some maybe some exclusives that you didn't see or uh, different things that are plugged in from the road throughout the years. Um, there's a lot of different things plugged into these episodes. Gotcha. All right. And obviously, social media, LW Maine on Twitter, Limitless Wrestling on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Let's Wrestle 207 on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram as well. For those that are waiting to return someday of Let's Wrestle or want to go back in the past, Randy underscore Carver, LW on Twitter, Josh Nason on Twitter, myself. Uh, if you're in the indies, I talked to uh, AAW Booker, uh, longtime EVP, uh, Keith Lipinski, Dr. Keith. He and I talked, and actually, Limitless Wrestling came up on and off the air in all good ways. Uh, he, they're big fans of Beef, tried to book him, but he was already booked for a show for you. 
Uh, but so that was uh, that was good. But yeah, he's got a lot of complimentary things to say. We talked about the indies. You know, he, he's in a huge market in Chicago. Uh, and talked about kind of competition there and how do you do all that stuff. So uh, you can check that out on the Wrestling Observer website for free if you're into more indie talk. And obviously, LimitlessWrestling.com for all your ticket and merchandise needs. We're going to kick to the interview with Anthony Green that Randy did. And yeah, a lot to talk about, a lot to uh, lot more to talk about. So we head to the seventh anniversary show, Chasing Forever, coming up a little bit later this month in September. But for Randy Carver, I'm Josh Nason. And until next time, after the interview, be Limitless. I'm joined here by the alternative, the best thing in wrestling, and uh, the man with the highest wrestling IQ, Anthony Green. Uh, thanks for hopping back on the pod. I feel like it's been a minute, and it's been uh, a crazy past year for you. And uh, I kind of want to start there. I mean, um, you became a free agent just a little over a year ago, and I feel like very uh, quick off the rip, you were talking Japan with me at least, you know what I mean, and uh, not really knowing exactly when that was going to be or what the process would be like but it finally came to fruition this year uh tell me about the whirlwind of kind of jumping back on the independent scene and then also how this process really began um i think i was mostly worried not even about where my career was going to go but where wrestling was going to go in general but uh i'm very lucky that uh things kind of have held on and as you said, I kind of just jumped right into it. Even the week after I got released, I already contacted your main production guy, Harry Aaron. I filmed new vignettes. I got new pictures taken and new gear. And it was just, I had to move. I've always just kind of had to hustle. Even from when I was all good Anthony Green to a lower scale to when I became the retrosexual to now. I just knew I had to go full steam ahead if I wanted to like get to where I wanted to be. What did you feel like differed in the hustle aspect of everything from when you were first on the independence before you had got signed to now jumping back on the scene, especially like during COVID as well, because it wasn't necessarily a bustling scene that you jumped back into right off the rip. But uh, I feel like for you, things did really take off and uh, big debuts were to follow. So how did you feel? I don't know. The hustle differed from when you were there before. Um, so I think it's different right now but a year ago i would say wwe and aew had the monopoly on the biggest independent wrestling stars and obviously a lot of them have been released from their contracts at this point but then there was a limited amount of in my opinion top tier independent wrestlers out there and i thought i was one of them i still do think i'm one of them and i think because of that i had opportunities very quickly to wrestle for uh, places outside of limitless wrestling, like a, like a violence and suffering who normally, you know, wouldn't use me, who's never used me prior or a PWX in North Carolina, AIW in Cleveland, um, going back to black label pro and them noticing, you know, my, uh, my professionalism and, and my talents. I think that's probably the main thing, like just having to hustle to show everyone that I am, you know, top level uh, compared to what else was on the independence at the time. And now after so many releases, it's, it's gotten a lot more competitive. So I actually think the hustle now uh, is even harder than it was when I first got released a year ago. I was a little thin uh, a year ago and uh, you jumped back in full steam ahead. 
a lot of debuts, championships old and new, and then word came out that you were going to head to Japan for the very first time for Pro Wrestling Noah. Uh, how did that come to be? How did it feel to, to finally, you know, get that one checked off the, uh, the bucket list? Because I know that's something for you. Uh, we've been talking at length for a, a couple of years just about how cool it would be to finally get to Japan, you know what I mean? And uh, it finally came to fruition for you. So tell me about that process. Oh, it's the it was the most stressful process. Even knowing that it is happening and the process is moving along, just the hurry up and wait, the the waiting for uh, entertainment, small business, and and school uh, student visas being accepted, to them allowing new people in due to to COVID restrictions. That alone took almost an entire year and then after that it was all right we're gonna have you come at this time we're gonna send you all this paperwork fill this out you have to get it signed by this person it'll come back and then you're cleared but then before you go we got to make sure you get tested for covid uh before you head to the country and just everything there it was like step by step by step and i just had to take every step for what it was and um treated it almost like a little video game where I was like, all right, level one, I have the paperwork. Level two, I sent out the paperwork. Level three, they sent the paperwork back. All right, now I know I'm good. Level four, I have to take this test. Five, I've passed the test. And finally, I'm in the country. And it wasn't until I was on Japanese soil that I felt like, all right, I'm actually here. This is happening. Um... Before that, there's always that slight chance that something could go wrong. It's that way with everything in life. And for me in wrestling, I'm always a like nothing's come true until it's actually happened. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was a long process. One year, a little over a year from when uh, the ball got rolling to when it finally happens. And yeah, I was just... It was a weight lifted off my shoulders when it when it finally went through. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, and uh, I think it was just – it felt like a perfect time for it to happen, too. And just uh, – I think the timing in wrestling sometimes is so crazy. And uh, you had, you know, initially been announced to go over – I believe it was a two-week stint. Uh, and they ended up being a couple months for you over there. Um Tell me about the first couple days uh, in Japan. Like, who's who's looking out for you over there? Uh, who's introducing you to uh, everybody within the promotion and, and taking you around and just showing you kind of the way of life? Because, uh, you know, from everything I've heard, your days look a lot different as an independent wrestler in, in Japan than they do in the U.S. Yeah, um, for me, the two... There, there were a lot of people, some that I can't mention, um but the two biggest people in my opinion that helped us get through the trip were probably uh, Simon Gotch who even helped me while I was in the United States to, to go through the process, the, the visa process. He helped me a ton and uh, Iho del Dr. Wagner Jr. Um, those are the two people that probably made me feel most comfortable. Uh, Simon showed me, how to use the train system, uh, showed me his favorite snacks, the the healthy drinks, the healthy protein bars. This is where you go if you need food. This is where you go if you want to work out. Do this, do that. And 
uh, Wagner, he was just very giving the entire time I was there. Um, took us out to, to dinner, uh, made sure we were comfortable, paid for dinner for us. He, just uh, a really good guy. Even the first night I was there, him and Extreme Tiger were the first two people to invite me out to a, a dinner after the show. What was it like to uh, to work in, you know, just just a couple different landmarks uh, in Japan? What was it like to be in the dojo? What was it like to be in Cork and Hall? Um, tell me about some of the big experiences you had over there. What sticks out to you is uh, some things that you'll really remember and take with you. Um, I think my first match is a memory I'll have forever because we originally weren't scheduled to wrestle on that event. Uh, and with less than 24 hours of being in the country, uh, I ended up making my Japanese professional wrestling debut. And because of that match is why my 16 day stay turned into a eight week stay in Japan. Um, the dojo is no joke. Um, I chose to train uh, in the morning with the young boys. And I, I obviously don't want to give away all the secrets of their dojo training, but I can say their their calisthenics and their conditioning is unlike anything I've ever done in the United States. And wow. I've trained at the, the best wrestling schools, I believe, in, in the U.S., if not the world. And just their level of training is cannot be touched. Um, and everyone that trains there, uh, from the young boys who are trying to make it in pro wrestling, Noah, to the wrestlers that also train there, uh, they're, they're, they're machines. They're absolute machines, and it's incredible what those dudes can do. Um, I don't know how many wrestlers in the U.S. could probably do what those guys go through every single day. Uh, other than that, man, I think five days being there, I got to go to Robera Steakhouse. And uh, I was gifted the sought-after Ribera jackets, which was mind-blowing to me. It felt like a dream while I was there. And uh, when I posted it, I had a lot of people message me or comment saying, like, this this means you made it. Uh, one of them being uh, Nova, Simon Dean. He said, you've officially made it in wrestling. So that was, like, kind of cool to see. And Danny Doring messaged me about it. Maven uh, messaged me. C.W. Anderson commented on the photo. So seeing a lot of those guys who have been to Japan or guys that I've looked up to, seeing them see what I'm doing now is really, really cool. And uh, Cork and Hall, man. Uh, I got to wrestle there five times during my eight weeks there. And I don't think any time wasn't as cool as the first time. It's just always cool being in that building, knowing, you know, who has wrestled in that building. Hulk Hogan's wrestled in that building. Uh, the biggest matches in, in FMW have happened in that building. My friend Ikemen Jiro has wrestled in that building probably hundreds of times. Uh, my first match in that building being against Kojima and getting a win over Kojima in a tag match uh, probably is the icing on the cake with a little cherry on top as well, though. Give me like, give me one match because I, I do want to shout out to the 
Wrestling Universe streaming service that Pro Wrestling Noah hosts on. Super easy to use. Um, they have English commentary available as well on a lot of events. Uh, worth checking out, and they have a free trial. So if you want to check out some of AG's matches for Pro Wrestling Noah, you can do it easily. Um, give me uh, give me a match or two that really stuck out to you that you want people to, maybe if they're going to you know seek out a couple of your excursion over there, uh, what sticks out to you is something that you would suggest checking out. I don't mean to be too much of a shill, but I also want to mention that the streaming service after the two-week trial is like only 900 yen a month, which I believe, uh, don't quote me, but it comes out to around six-ish dollars. Yeah, it's really cheap. Six-ish bucks, you have access to all of Pro Wrestling Noah's like like library, old and new, uh, live streaming for it as well, as well as they have DDT on there. Uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro. They're currently uploading stuff from like in- the England wrestling scene, like Wrestle Carnival. Um, I believe GCW stuff has also been uploaded on there as well uh, for like six ish bucks. And you get a two week free trial. And if you don't like it, you can unsubscribe. Um, but if there were any matches that I would want you to check out, uh, I was really proud uh, from start to finish of all of my N1 victory matches. Um, If there are any specifically, I would say October 13th, I wrestled uh, Go Shiozaki in Yoka, where we wrestled, Osaka, we wrestled in Osaka. And probably me and Keno. I really liked me and Keno. Keno is currently the GHC heavyweight champion. Uh, that happened on the 27th of uh, August. Did I say October? I meant August for both of them. I caught um, you. If I said October, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very excited for Halloween. And uh, I've been thinking about Halloween Horror Nights for days now. So It's got your mind wrapped. Gosh darn it. Sorry about that. But yes, uh, those two. So it'd be August... 13th against Go Shiozaki and August 27th against Keno. But let's kind of compare the worlds here of pro wrestling, Noah, Limitless Wrestling. Who could you see from the current roster right now, the current crop of people in uh, Limitless Wrestling? Who do you think would fit well on the pro wrestling Noah roster for maybe uh, maybe an excursion over there? Or maybe if uh, you know someone was in a future N1, who, who do you feel would kind of fit the bill and uh, really thrive over there? Uh, A couple names come to mind. I think they would really, I think the crowd would really love Ace Romero. I think they would get behind him instantly. Uh, Ace has always had the ability to just have a crowd immersed in what he does. Uh, So I think he would fit really well. For younger guys that I think would get a lot out of it, Alec Price, of course. Uh, and Channing Thomas, I think, would get a lot out of it. And then I'd be, I'd be silly not to mention this person, the someone that has that like real like Stan Hansen, Bruiser Brody type style. I think JD Drake would do awesome there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Drake Drake feels like a natural fit. Um, he'll be back when you'll be back. Actually, Saturday. September 24th, you return at the seven-year anniversary show of Limitless Wrestling. Uh, going one-on-one. First time we've ever done this on a live show, AG. It's you going one-on-one with Iron Rip Bison. 
Uh, how yep. you feeling for this rematch? Uh, it's only happened, I believe, one time in the Limitless Dojo. I'm sitting in front of it right now, the very location. It was for Limitless Wrestling Heavyweight Championship during the pandemic. Uh, a different Rip Bison than uh, the man that you faced a couple of years ago. How you feeling going into it? Um, pretty confident, especially after the two months I just did. I'm not sure he was putting in the same work that I've been putting in. Uh, technically, this is kind of our rubber match. This is round three. Uh, I beat him. I pinned him uh, at the pandemic at the dojo while I was Limitless Wrestling Champion. But I do give him credit. Though he did not pin me directly, uh, he does have a, a win over Anthony Green this year um, in Limitless Wrestling. So I'm excited for it. But if I'm being completely honest, there's some sort of magic and Anthony Green when it comes to the anniversary show. So I do believe I'm going to leave with a victory that night. Beautiful. Uh, we'll be seeing you very soon. Uh, thanks for coming on today, and we'll talk to you soon. Hell yeah.